TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Yeah, we do welcome you to the Two Guys and a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Beautiful, beautiful Thursday here. Actually, it's a not-so-beautiful-weather-wise Thursday here in the fine city of Chicago as the rain cometh the pouring up and down. And we uh, do thank you, or thank you it, for joining us on this beautiful Thursday on the TalkZone.com. We'll be with you right up until 11 o'clock, the big dog and the coach talking sports and more. We'll talk some baseball Certainly preview the football weekend coming up. we got some issues with Lance Armstrong going on. We'll jump off the sports page. If you missed yesterday's show, a scintillating, scintillating debate on sports guys, talk politics. The big dog, Joel Radwanski, taking the baton, taking the political baton and absolutely running with it. If it was a 400-yard dash, big dog, you ran dead sprint the entire way. You were brilliant, if not somewhat inane analysis. How are you, big dog? Uh, doing absolutely fantastic, coach. Uh, so, I'm, I'm getting to be the master of the under underhanded compliment, aren't I? Well, the, I don't know what's worse, the underhanded compliment <laughs> or the backhanded. To be quite Ooh. honest with you, is opposite sex. I would have to say the underhanded is a good compliment. The underhanded compliment or the bad compliment, either the one. Backhanded compliment. Oh, the backhanded compliment. Because the underhanded compliment from you, I really don't want to be there, especially when you're saying turn and cough. Yeah, well, you know, get your hand off my thigh. That's not my hand. And that's not my thigh. Thank you very much. We're off to a scintillating start, almost as brilliant as yesterday's show. Uh, Big dog, great to talk to you, of course. Uh, Phone lines will be open if you want to check in with us, political, sports, and or otherwise. 888-463-6700. 48 before we get in the hard news and the sports. Now, what to continue, by the way, on our college bars. You were absolutely brilliant, but we got rudely interrupted on uh, local Chicago college bars, where to go, where to be seen, depending on what Big Ten institution you root for. Rudely- I, I have news on the bar front Really, me, too, Coach. It, it, it's, I've had crazy jobs before, but maybe I finally found something to be successful at, Coach. Uh-oh. Let's see. Now, you've been a bouncer at a bar, so it can't be that. No, 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 no. You've been a male escort, so it can't be that. Oh, by the way, I got news on that front, too. I actually will be doing that. Oh, more news on the male escort front? I thought you gave up that career. I'm going to start a website. My buddy's starting a website. Oh, okay. got to figure out what exactly to call it and all this other stuff. And whether or not I should shave my back. You know, timing is everything, David Olson. uh, I think you can confirm that Craigslist... The owner of Craigslist, Craig, whatever the hell his name is, uh, they were in a lawsuit, and he has uh, officially rescinded all of the adult escort service ads on Craigslist. So uh, this might be a good time, Big Dog, to develop your new male escort service. There might be some new clients out there. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're lonely, if you're sick, <laughs> if you're a woman, I'll be more than happy to take you out. Hey, 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 what about the guys out there that are lonely? Uh, coach? Come on. You gotta, I gotta have some type of standard, okay? You gotta find some female escorts for us as well. Come on, all is fair in love and war. Well, I mean, I gotta, I gotta do what's right for me, coach. 
You know what I mean? Like legitimately, if, if you think about it, if I do want to get into this acting, into this hosting <laughs> business, you know, like if you're a woman and you are a prostitute, yeah. well, you know, you're a hoe. Or escort. No, no, I mean like okay, later I, on, like 10 years from now, yes. they find out this happened to me. Yeah. Like if I was a woman, I would lose my job. I'd be stripped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be tarred and feathered. You well, know, as a man, they'd be like, seriously, he got women to pay for him to go out with them? <laughs> That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but know. I would I would hope maybe 10, 20 years down the road that the females could gain uh, in some second sort of way the same due respect that the males could. You know, another double standard that yes. goes towards the man favorably. Yes. Let's hope I that. Mean, 90% do. Mm-hmm. So the problem is it seems like I always run into the 10% that, you know, go bad <laughs> against me for some reason. Story of you know? life, huh? All right, so yeah. we have a budding male escort service, which I know you used to budding, have. But that's a good way to do it. Thank you very growing. much. And so, so you're starting to re, uh, re-up on that. Now, you mentioned a new gig at a, a bar. Is this separate from the male well, escort service? I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I went out on an interview on Monday. Okay. Okay, and it was basically you got thrown into this situation, and then they were going to – and they said, we want you to be lively, all this other stuff. Can you be the life of the party? Blah, blah, blah. And it was like, it was a bunch of like hot girls who were trying to be Morganettes. Okay. And I thought it was for somebody who were looking for the next Captain Morgan. Okay. So I go to this like event. I start cracking jokes on everybody, making fun of everybody in the room. Okay. And it was cool because like half people knew I was kidding around. They started telling jokes back to me. And the other half got totally offended. Okay. Which made the other half people <laughs> laugh even harder at the jokes I was saying about these people. So I get so there's people are going into three different rooms like they're pulling people in. So I'm like, uh oh, which one is going? Which one am I going? Well, I see one person come up. That's a really nice looking Asian girl. I'm like, well, I hope I end up in that particular room. Well, lucky for me, I did. And right when I went in there, I just start making fun of this girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and she's like, you know, this is an interview, and I'm like, oh, like really? And the next thing I know, well, she sent me an email yesterday. So I'm going to call her. I call her. This is what. I know I have three more interviews to go through, Coach, in order to get this job. But think about this particular job. About 30 hours a week, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, they're going to give me an expense account, mind you. I'm going to have to go out to bars, like talk to bartenders, <laughs> buy them shots, tip them, find people in the bar, buy shots for them, and try to convince them to drink whatever alcohol they want pushed for that particular weekend. And if I can get them to buy enough, I'll get bonuses, too. I was going to ask you who's hiring you for this. So it's a liquor company? Yes. That uh, wants the... you to influence people via a good time at a local establishment to yes. get some of the more popular people in that bar to buy that particular liquor? Yeah. I, Diageo, I, my first Diageo, comment is make sure, you, make sure you get your money up front, Big Doug. No, this is a legit company, Coach. I've looked yeah. them up. They're a legit company. <laughs> Give me an expense account, Coach. So even if even if I don't get my money up front, I'll have two weeks of partying. This could be the start of a new career for you. I'm thinking maybe like a website, uh, lifeoftheparty.com, that, uh, you know, social groups or even businesses, uh, uh, fancy people throwing. You saw Mix stuff, right, Coach? What's that? You saw Town Mix, right? Yes. Well, the problem is the reason why we haven't filmed any of those lately is because I don't have any money to actually go into Chi-Town. Uh-huh. Well, now they're going to pay me to go in there. So while I'm doing that, I'll be able to grow that particular <laughs> website. And, and uh, 
probably my escort uh, the, the website also. Oh, I'll be able to do it. goodness. So you got, you got, you're killing three birds with uh, one throw of the stone, huh? And I'll be getting paid for one third of it. God bless you, folks. Hopefully so if you're keeping track at home, regular listeners to our morning break radio show and now the two guys at a mic show, you can put sort of like a horse race. It's job number 39, 40, and 41 are all going to be out of the same stable. So if you bet on that particular job, that's going to be like, what's the word I'm looking for when they're all from the uh, same? The trifecta. The what? The trifecta. <laughs> no. We, you know, when you got two horses running out of the same stable, they're, if you bet on one, if you bet on either of them, and either of them win, you win, uh, there's a term for that. But I think we got the point. So any one of those three particular jobs, if they come through, you two could be a winner. Sounds good. Oh, good. I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Life at the party. Life of the party. Com. Can we start a website for you? Well, I, that might be a .net or a .edu, possibly. I'm not sure. Or a .org. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I think that might that might be more appropriate. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight of jobs thirty nine forty and forty one. It's a package deal. If they don't work out, if you want to suggest job no, no, number no, no, no. job of those three, only job forty was the package deal. Well, no, we're putting all That's three of them as a combined three. Kill three birds with one stone. I was just talking about the escort job. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big deal. Maybe we should have gone back to sports guys talk politics. It made more sense. Well, possibly. Quite yeah. Possibly. Could. Yeah. All right. Well, it's great to have you. And anything to delay talking about our beloved White Sox officially being knocked out of the pennant race. If we didn't think it was done yesterday, it certainly is done this morning as we read about uh, same scores the day before, right? Minnesota yeah, 9. to 3. Yep. So not exactly nail biters, even though the first game was a really good game until all of a sudden it was broken open when Alex Rios dropped the fly ball. Yesterday's game kind of close early, but he had that feel like it was, you know, it just wasn't good. Brian Denson can pitch. Yeah, he's one of those guys we talked about him yesterday that Minnesota brings up. Nobody's heard about him, not the big reputation. He comes in and immediately is uh, very effective, and he's kept the Twins afloat over the course of the year. The big hit, big dog, Joe Mauer's three-run homer. I think it came in the fifth inning over uh, Gavin, uh, off of Gavin MacArthur Floyd. That was the big blow, and it seemed like Minnesota was on a roll from there. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he hasn't hit a lot of home runs, but I mean, he hits them on the road, and it was 0-0 at that point. And then uh, uh, the best player in the American League gets it done for the Twins. Mm-hmm. All right, so White Sox, uh, everybody was talking about the need for a sweep. Here in the city of Chicago, sweep. We have to have a sweep. Well, in fact, there actually could be a sweep. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the White Sox doing the sweeping. No, yeah. no. It's uh, hopefully they don't just cash it in. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they keep stay fighting. If you have a mathematical shot, might as well play. But yeah. it's going to take a miracle type of. It's like going to, they're going to have to roll like three deuces in a row. Yeah. Yeah. in order to, to pull this one off. Weird season for the White Sox. Weird because it seemed like a long, long time ago. Long, long time ago. But you remember the first couple months of the season? I mean, they were absolutely brutal. We almost forget that now because we're getting all negative. Oh, how could we have lost our lead? You know, we made that big come. You forget, Big Dog, the first two months. We were all ready for white flag sale about two months early. I mean, they were terrible. And then they had that, what would you say, about a seven, eight-week period of time? almost two months when they'd gotten incredibly hot and got back into it. So kind of a weird season, kind of a roller coaster type season. Unfortunately, we're heading downhill at the end of it. No team had uh, an eight-week stretch like the White Sox did this year. No yeah. team in baseball had that good of a stretch like, at all it? at any time. 23-5, and five, I want to say, at one point. 
the and the, heck they went like I think they went like thirty nine and eight or something like that, coach. It was mm-hmm. that good. They went for like a like a like a seven eight week period. It was it was pretty. It was a dramatic run period. Mm-hmm. Got back into it and uh, it just you know so uh, sometimes when you spend so much energy fighting your way back, you know we talk about it in an individual game in a basketball game. Team is down early, twelve nothing, twenty two to four, and inevitably that team that's down they do find a way to fight their way back in the game. But sometimes old sports cliche and it's a true one. You spend so much energy fighting your way back, maybe. Maybe the Sox just didn't have that extra edge down the stretch. And the other part of it, of course, is the Minnesota Twins just played unbelievable. Well, I don't think that it, it, it goes with baseball. I understand, like, a, a basketball or a yeah. hockey game, but yeah. I, I don't think it works. Because, like, whether you win or lose a game, you, you put a lot, a lot of energy out there trying to win it. So, I, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that analogy works over mm-hmm. a baseball season. Mm-hmm. Get to a Maybe little... it does, but I, I just don't see how. Get to a little football preview a little bit later in the show. Again, our phone lines open. Talk a little baseball right now. We've kind of not ignored, but baseball is definitely taking a back seat with all the excitement of the football starting. 888-463-6748. A big dog, uh, Joe Redwanski, joining me from Aurora, Illinois, about 45 minutes west of this particular microphone. As we speak, the big dog, longtime baseball fan. We're going to get to the National League West in just a second, dog, but there is a team. And we haven't talked about of late that we need to. It's yours and mine's, if I could use that bad English, favorite team, the Chicago Cubs. They just got through sweeping the St. Louis Cardinals and under Mike Quaddit. And if this guy becomes a success as a manager, Big Doug, you will remember which unknown sports talk host was uh, riding the Mike Quaddit bandwagon first. But there's something like 15-7 and seven under him. They sweep the Cardinals. Carlos Zambrano with another victory. He's got six wins in a row or six quality starts in a row, five wins in a row, I think. Uh, Tyler Colvin hits a home run. Things looking much, much better for the Cubs, certainly, than they did a month ago. Well, certainly, but, you know, a little too late. I don't want to, you know, their season's been gone along, but at least, you know, if, if they're going to play poor, if they're going to play really good baseball at the end of a season that mm-hmm. doesn't matter, at least they swept the Cardinals. So that that was good. It was the first time they swept the Cardinals in St. Louis since 1988. That that shocked me because they usually play pretty decent baseball down mm-hmm. in St. Louis. But the Cubs have their snake pit that they never seem to win in, but they usually do all right in, in St. Louis. So I was, I was shocked that they hadn't had a sweep there since '88. Matter of fact, I thought they had one no one, but yeah. I guess not. That is surprising. Great rivalry, one of the real underrated rivalries in all the sports: the Cubs and the Cardinals. Quality baseball. I don't want to say a friendly rivalry, rivalry, but just good. Solid, uh, and again, as a Cub fan, I really appreciate love the Cardinal fans. Um, very, very good rivalry. Let me, underrated let me... rivalry, huh? Uh, people, I wouldn't say it's an underrated rivalry. I mean, it's it's uh, nationally. I baseball I think... has it as the second biggest rivalry in all of baseball. Really? See, I would think nationally, it's a you know not major story, but I think it's slightly underrated nationally. But maybe not. Possibly. Possibly. Maybe not. I mean, it's you know. Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, mm-hmm. Dodgers, Giants. Those are the biggest rivals. You think you think fans uh, in Philadelphia, fans in Seattle, fans in Texas would list Cub Cardinal up with those other ones? I would have to say they'd rank it as uh, the second biggest Seattle. rivalry in, in baseball. I think you're wrong. I don't think so. I think if you asked fans outside the Midwestern area, what are the great rivalries in baseball? I think uh, you know you're going to get Yankees, Red Sox. First and foremost, you might get Giants-Dodgers. I don't know 
that Cardinal Cub is going to get more than maybe 4 or 5% of the vote. Well, yeah, MLB Network, the network has it as the second biggest rivalry in baseball. So. Uh, again, MLB Network, those guys are experts. I was talking about the average fan, but so be it. It's, uh, it, it's a great rivalry. Let me go back to something you said. And again, talk it's a baseball here, uh, 888-463-6748. If you want to chime in, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at mike2guysaol.com, M-I-C and the number two, mike2guysaol.com. You said that the way the Cub season finishes really doesn't matter because they've been out of it for so long. Doesn't if they keep some of these young players around? Doesn't the fact that they're going to finish strong doesn't that help? Not so much physically, but for the mental psyche for next year. Or do you think that's overrated? Well, the Pirates seem to do it every single year. Besides this year, it doesn't seem to help the Pirates mentally you know, going into the next year. So I'd rather have them win than lose. I totally agree with you there, but. I also don't want them to get false hopes that all of a sudden Michael Hoffauer can be their first baseman next year because he, you know, he has a decent September. So I don't want them to get too much false hope as an organization over some of these players. But yes, I do like the fact that there has been some success for these guys and, and hopefully they can carry it over. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I like the fact that this Darwin Barney kid he can play. I think he could, he's definitely a major. Major League Baseball player, and uh, you know, and, and for people like Colvin and Ashner, I'd like to see him keep on uh, I playing. Well, believe the there. roster says Barney Darwin. Could be wrong. His name is Darwin Barney. Not but, Barney Darwin. Uh, come on, coach. <laughs> oh, I love Wes Wes Walker. By the way, the outstanding receiver for the New England Patriots. Yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, it's Luke Skywalker. Ah, I can't get Big Dog going today. I threw out the hook. Sometimes you catch the fish. Sometimes you can't. You're not. You're not in the mood to play today. I can understand. I can well, take. No, I, I just. I don't know. Sometimes because <laughs> you're not exactly sports savvy. I so, can take it. And by the way, you're sports savvy. You're just not like fact savvy. Yes. Enough, thank you. But that's exactly right. Uh, Starlin Castro at shortstop. Darwin Barney at second base. That could excite you a little bit for next year. They might even move Tyler Colvin into the infield. So there is some hope. And let me go back to the manager situation. Big deal. Mike Quade, uh, you know, early on it was kind of cute. Now it's after 20 games. He's taken a bunch of ragtags that were playing for nothing, and they are winning. Any chance he's gaining some momentum as the manager? And would you go along with me? The, the wish I have is I don't care who's the manager and who's the bench coach, but I want to see Mike Quade at Ryan Sandberg. Paired up. A couple of guys with great Chicago roots, a couple of new managers, new blood that would instill some uh, great Chicago enthusiasm. Again, I don't care who's the manager and who's the bench coach. What do you think of the two of those combined? Well, you know, I have absolutely no problem if, if that's the, where they're going to go. But I would, would you know, this, this may be a little strange saying this, but I don't know if Sandberg would be on the bench. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd take that. And also... If you hire a guy as as your manager or even your interim manager, can you really drop him back down the bench coach? Where they did that with Bruce Kim, who was an awesome developer of talent and and really helped a lot of kids out. Then they made him the interim manager, and then when they brought in Lupinella, they just got rid of him. They didn't even leave him on the bench or put him back in the minor leagues. His so stock rose. I, I, I don't know how that'll work. Coach. Uh, well, I think it's a different situation. But the Bruce Kim, you know, stock went up, 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 and then it was like Nasdaq, complete crash, and we never heard. From Bruce Kim again. But, yeah, in answer to your question, I do think Mike Quade could fairly naturally go back to that third uh, bench coach position or third base coach. And I think Ryan Sandberg or put make Quade the coach. 
Ryan Sandberg has been a great soldier as a Hall of Famer. He started off at Class A, moved up to Double A, Triple A. He's done it the hard way, the natural progression. Bring him up, put him on the bench, and Rhino Sandberg knows Quad A for a couple of years, and then you're the uh, you're the manager. I think it'd be a solid combo. Uh, I have no problem with that, Coach, but I just don't know if those guys will accept it. I'm not the ones that you know. I'm not the one dealing with it. Okay. So I'm not the one that's going to make that particular choice of whether I'd want uh, to do that for Jim Hendry. Coach. Right, well, I'll tell you what, producer David Olson is putting a call into Cindy Sandberg. Now we're going to see if we can get the inside story. Oh, her phone is definitely busy, Coach. <laughs> It'll be hard to get through, huh? Ryan Sandberg. That'll be a hard, hard uh, phone call to get through. Yeah, she is. I think she's on the phone with Mark West of the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I always get those two confused. Good inside player. That Mel Blount, who used to play for the LA Lakers, you remember? Or Mel Counts? You remember Mel Counts? No, I do not remember oh, Mel Counts. On. How many seven footers were there with a bad crew cut? Look it up on your Google. 888-463-6748. The Cubs are doing good. The Sox are out of it real quick before we leave the baseball world. We uh, got to mention the National League Western Division and the wild card race in the National League. Yesterday, Big Dog, the Colorado Rockies, your guy. You called him out yesterday, and he comes through for you. Troy Tulowitzki, couple of home runs yesterday, seven RBIs. Did I get that right? Yeah. Seven? It's, it's pretty nice when, when you talk about because everybody's talking about Carlos Gonzalez as the MVP, and they, and they rightfully should, but all of a sudden, Troy Tulowitzki's sneaking into that discussion. The day I say it, the guy has seven ribbies. Unbelievable. Seven? Unbelievable. Are, that was not a doubleheader. That was one game. They beat San Diego, the team they're chasing nine to six. They're two and a half back out. Do we have a late score, by the way, the Giants and the Dodgers? I do not have an update on that one. I couldn't. Oh, no, I, I don't either, okay. and I cannot. Check my computer when I'm on the phone. So. Nice, nice to know we're fully prepared. We'll have the score of that game, I'm sure. Uh, either David Olson. You know, or... Ryan Theriot got thrown out of the ball game. No, so. come yeah. on. Yeah. What team is Ryan Theriot on right now? Uh, Theriot's on the Dodgers. He was traded with uh, Ted Lilly. Do you remember that trade, coach? I do. I just forgot. You know who? Okay. Which, okay. Who did yeah. we pick up? Do we pick up Manny Ramirez for the? Uh, Black Duet. Ah. Yeah, what happens if they move Darwin Barney over to second? What happens to the career, the uh, great reputation of a Blake DeWitt? Uh, Darwin Barney is a right-handed batter. Blake okay. DeWitt's a left-handed batter. Yeah. And you would have uh, two average players at second base, which one guy could field Darwin mm-hmm. Barney. The other guy can hit right-handed pitching with DeWitt. End up having an average ball player, Coach. Well, Darwin Barney is uh, hitting pretty good right now for a good fielder. He's... And obviously, it's only what thirty, thirty-five at bats, but the guy's batting well over three hundred. Yes, yeah, I, it, I, I, I don't like his plate discipline, and we'll see what happens. I, mm-hmm. I do think he's going to be a major league baseball player, coach. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he can hit two seventy-five, okay. you know, and, and really, really, really good on the base pass. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Forgive me for getting too personal, but the listeners like to get to know the host here, Big Dog. We're still a fairly new show. Of late, how has your plate discipline been? Coach, I eat six meals a day, four of them large. I have a gigantic breakfast every single morning. I okay. stick with that, and I won't waver, and I won't get fat either. <laughs> and you won't go after the outside plate? No, I, if people, there's never leftovers in this house is the best way for me to, for me to tell you. I will eat them all, unless it's like something nasty mm-hmm. like rice or noodles. i got to invite you over because my uh, older son, 16 going on 17, has basically stopped eating breakfast. And I keep telling him, and I, you know, I'm even mentioning the big dog, my partner, nutritional expert, tells you, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's very, very true. Breakfast, the most important meal. 
The guy's slopping around. He's always tired, always, you know, can barely get his eyes open. He's got any food in him. Stopped eating breakfast. Big dog, could you make a visit over to the house and knock some sense into my teenage kid? Well, it's not good. That's how you end up getting fat, coach. Your, your body goes into starvation mode. You start storing everything you eat the rest of the day as fat. Plus, when you're in starvation mode, you have no energy. Mm-hmm. It's not good for your skin. Yeah, he's got a... Okay. You know what he needs? He needs a, a hot 15-year-old girl to be like, you know, breakfast is really important. That's all he needs. It's a good point. That's all he needs. I'm not... You know what? Me saying it to him as opposed to you will yep. have a little bit more effect. Not as much as okay. uh, like Cindy Sandberg's daughter saying it. So, again, if you're keeping score at home, father advice comes in a distant third. Uh, father's friend's advice, a respectable second. Hot 15-year-old girl, uh, first by a long shot. Oh, without question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 888-463-67. 48 will get the football in just a second with the National League West Big Dog and the wild card race. Uh, pretty good stuff. What do we got? About two weeks left in the baseball season. It's coming down to the wire, so that will be fun to watch. Colorado Rockies making a late charge. The Giants battling, of course, the San Diego Padres trying to hang on. And then you got Bobby Cox in his final season as manager, and it looks like they're not going to be able to overtake Philadelphia. The no, no, they're... Uh, the the Braves, you know, I've been saying it all year. The Phillies were like decimated with injuries yep. all season long, and they were still three, four games back. And you're like, if they could get healthy, that one. Well, they're healthy, and they have one of the greatest one, two, three punches I could ever remember of a team going into the playoffs. Uh, Roy Halladay, uh, Roy Oswalt. And Cole Hamels, who's been average this year, but all of a sudden is throwing the ball phenomenally well, and that's a guy that always pitches well in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. The Phillies are the favorite to win the World Series right now, overall, Coach. And this is a team that was in second place, what, from May to about a week ago? And 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 now, like I I agree with you, I don't think the Braves are going to pass them. The Braves better get into the playoffs via the wild card, or else their season is done. The Phillies are the favorite to win the World Series, Coach, and I'm including the the, the evil empire up there and, mm-hmm. and, and everybody's nobody's, uh, the, the, what do you call it, the, the, the Tampa Bay Rays. That's strong. That's strong. I think it's actually accurate the more you think about it because the Phillies, if you combine the starting pitching with the everyday lineup, top to bottom, back fairly healthy again. Chase Utley back yet or not? Chase uh, that's what I said, Coach. They're healthy. Chase Utley's hitting a home run a day the last couple okay. uh, the last couple days. Jimmy Rollins finally, he, he admitted, he's like, you know, I was hurt all year. I finally feel good. Ryan Howard's ankles healthy. So all those guys missed a bunch of time. Their bodies feel, they all said they're like, this is the best I've felt in late September, you know, in years. Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian is fine. Jason <laughs> Worth having, uh, you know, he's having a, a contract season. And believe it or not, Ryan Madsen and Brad Lidge, their setup man and closers, have missed. Gigantic time this year. Mm-hmm. Brad Lidge since August first hasn't allowed a run and four blown a save. So if he's pitching well in the ninth inning, you got Brian uh, Matson pitching, uh, you know, very well in the eighth. Those other three guys will get you seven innings every single game. So the the, the Phillies are the favorite. What happened so, to Mike Schmidt? Is he uh, healthy at third base, Mike Schmidt? Well, yes, he's healthy, and the Philly fans are still <laughs> booing him, even though he's enshrined in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, all right, so if the Braves are not going to overtake Philadelphia, I think that's a pretty safe thing. Bobby Cox, again, the Hall of Fame manager at his final season. Will he make the playoffs or will he go out without making it? It's almost as if 
you almost could take the Atlanta Braves right now, Big Dog, and put them in the National League West, and you've got kind of a four-team race out there. See if you're with me here. And, and the first-place team is going to win the division. The second-place team is your wild card. So put the Braves in the NL West. Look at it that way. It might be a simpler equation. Yes, yeah, so if, if they have the best record of the four teams, they're not going to get the actual division. But I guess they'll get, you know, they'll get the wild card. So they, they just need to finish in the top two out there. Well, that's, that's what I was talking about. If, if they finish in second place in the brand-new National League West, which includes Atlanta now, they're your wild card team. That was the point I was trying to make. It's like the old National League West with Atlanta yeah, in it. Exactly. You know, I remember my dad. I was always really, really good at geography, and I was, my, I was asking my dad why is Atlanta in the National League West, and he couldn't come up with an answer for me. <laughs> Even though I found out later why, but that's you know another issue altogether. Uh, does that have something to do with the fact they came from Milwaukee? No, it had everything to do with the fact that WGN gave the Cubs a ridiculous, a ridiculous uh, television contract, uh-huh. and Major League Baseball didn't want to mess with it. So the Cubs were like, "Listen, we don't want to play games at nine fifteen to midnight in the city of Chicago. We need to sell advertising, so mm-hmm. we want to be in the uh, National League East. So you put us there, or else, you know, or, or or else we'll strike. And by the way, our, our diehard rival is the Cardinals, so they come with us." So that's why the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves, who were very much east of Chicago and St. Louis, were in the National League West. So the the Braves were legitimately, what, what are they, about 150 miles uh, off the Atlantic Ocean? Mm-hmm. And they played in the National League West. And back then they used to play 18 games apiece. Remember that? So th- times were a little different. That was crazy back in the day. Well. Yeah. The, uh, for, by the way, for transcripts of Big Dog's description of that, by the way, you could write the talkzone.com here at uh, 1750 Waukegan Road in beautiful Morton Grove, Illinois. That was well explained. I had no idea what you were talking about, but that was very well explained, and I'm sure it was completely accurate as well. It, that was accurate. Yes. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, by the way, New York and Tampa Bay, we talked about the heavyweight boxing match going on there. Tampa Bay threw the latest blow. They knocked out the Yankees yesterday. Four to two, I believe, the score. They're up a half a game. Uh, in the American League East, some guy named Dan Johnson, not familiar with the work of Dan Johnson, but he had two, two-run homers last time I checked. That would be all four runs, the Tampa Bay Devil Ray score. Uh, yeah, and all kinds of controversy in the game because Derek Jeter uh, had a ball thrown inside to him and mm-hmm. hit his bat, and he acted like it hit him, and he went to first base. Now people are calling Derek Jeter the cheater. Come on, if anybody isn't a cheater, it's Derek Jeter. <laughs> Oh, there's a song in there somewhere. Definitely. Come on. It's gamesmanship. People are all getting upset because, you know, he ran the first base after, you know, whatever. People well, need to Yeah, know, but if you, don't, if you don't get hit, then don't run the first base. It's, it's like the uh, flopping we see in soccer. I'm not a big fan of athletes faking an injury or faking something and going. So I, I don't know that I agree with you. I actually feel some of the pain that the Derek Jeter – I'm not a Derek Jeter hater – but that some of the Derek Jeter-hating Jeter fans feel today. I, I think that's a Bush League move, if in fact it's true. Well, that's, that's what happened. The ball hit his bat, and he ran to first base. And they gave it to him. Trying to influence then, the umpire. Yeah, and then you know what happened right afterwards, Coach, because there was two out. You know what happened. Well, what, they threw at the next batter? No, uh, Curtis Granderson hit the ball out of the ballpark uh, to give the Yankees a 3-2 to lead, and people in Tampa went okay. ballistic. Oh, it was great. And then, you know, but they ended up winning it anyway, so they can't complain. Just go home. 
All right. 888-463-67. All 27 fans at the Trop were just <laughs> thoroughly upset. <laughs> I was going to say not that many. The only time they really go ballistic is when the uh, the buffet lines close at about 4.30 or 5 o'clock before ahead of schedule. That is a great idea, Coach. They need to have the all-you-can-eat stuff for those old-timers at the ballpark. If they, I'm surprised they haven't thought of that already. I mean, come on. That, that's a no-brainer. They haven't done that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. David Olson, our producer, is on the phone, Big Dog. He might be talking to Cindy Sandberg. I can't promise it, but there's a chance Cindy Sandberg might join us right after the break. If she doesn't, we'll talk some football. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cohn and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com big dog went to get my glasses cleaned and adjusted yesterday there was a sign in the optometrist's office that said if you don't see what you're looking for dot 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 then you've come to the right place Oh, that's creative, Coach. Thank I like that. Thank you very that. much. Outstanding creativity. By the way, I hate to disappoint you. David Olson is now off the phone. Apparently, Cindy Sandberg did not want to talk to you and or any of your associates with uh, haveagoodtime.org. Sorry about that. Well, that, to be quite honest with you, she's a little old for me, Coach. Well. And plus, she's already had a good time with everybody else. There's really no reason <laughs> to actually bring her into the equation. Oh, goodness. Great to have you on board, Big Dog. I like to hear you peppy and upbeat. That's outstanding. And I know part of the reason you're peppy and upbeat is we got football weekend number, what are we going to call this, weekend two or three? Really weekend. Weekend number three, Coach. Yeah. Weekend number three. Because college football. Obviously, for the NFL, it's the second weekend. But you got your high school football tomorrow. You actually got some high school football today. Because of it the It all ju- depends on this. Uh, yeah, if you have high school football on a, a Sunday for a Thursday afternoon, most likely yeah. you live in an area with a lot of yes. shootings. Or with a lot of Jewish people. Oh, good point. Good because point. It, is, it is the Yom Kippur weekend this weekend. We do wish all of our Jewish brethren a happy Yom Kippur a day early. And uh, certainly, big dog, to you and yours. And please keep your hands off mine. A happy Yom Kippur to you as well. Well, I, I oh, it's the holiest of holies. And it just so happens to be... My uh, my goddaughter was born in 2001 okay. on Yom Kippur, Very September nice. 18th. Uh-huh. So uh, it's not always September 18th, though, is it? I don't think so. You don't think so? Come on, I, Coach. Uh, what can I tell you? I should know better. But, no, I think it's a, it's a two-day celebration. Yeah, well, yes, it's my uh, <laughs> my uh, my goddaughter was born on it back in the day. So right. it always means something a little special to me, especially in the years that, uh, that she's born on it. So I always make it a point to, like... Uh, uh, you know, buy her some type. I like like some kosher food. Uh-huh. 
or actually the knife that you actually make a man kosher with. I'm going to get her one of those this year. I think your goddaughter is destined for greatness. What's well, her? she is, by the way. That girl is a negotiator. She's good. That girl's phenomenal. What's oh. her last name? Goldberg? Simon? Radwanski. Oh, not sure if that'll work. No, nah, maybe not. She might need to marry into the tribe to have full success. Well, whoever she marries, oh, my goodness. That, that dude better have a bank account. Oh, goodness. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and the Coach. Back at you up until 11 o'clock. Phone lines are open. Talk some football here. Got the big weekend coming up. Started to say before I rudely interrupted myself that there's high school football both today and tomorrow. You got your college football on Saturday. NFL football on Sunday. Tomorrow, we will have our football Friday on the show. Big Dog play Beat the Schmoes. You and me were both brilliant in week one and somewhat less than mediocre last week. Uh, it's bounce back week for you in particular, Big Dog. Oh, well, Coach, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. No more. <laughs> you know, I was doing this thing. I was just going to pick underdogs the rest of the year because I figured the America is so much on the, the, the favorite that uh, maybe I'll just take underdogs. I figured that's where the value is. I just picked the wrong ones last week. As a matter of fact, I put Oregon as a 12-point underdog. My buddy was like, no, they're a 15-point underdog. So I got to get these spreads right, Coach, because I'm giving away points over here. Yeah, you don't want to do that. It would have mattered. They lost by a 1,000. So, yeah. you know. Well, don't worry about it. game's called Beat the Schmoes. Remember, not Beat the Pros. So don't worry about it. But you, I think it's serious. You look at week three of the college football season, certainly I'm not going to say it's much worse than week two, but I will say, Big Dog, there's not the marquee matchups that we had in week two, but I still think there's some interesting games out there. Again, not the marquee matchup. So it's not as not as sexy as week two, uh, certainly coming up this Saturday. Oh, no, absolutely not. But the, we got some uh, interesting local stuff going on. You got Northern Illinois and Illinois playing. You know, yep. So that's, I mean, you get that pretty interesting matchup. Yeah, by the way, so, Northern uh, Illinois head coach, Dr. Jerry Kill, may be listening to our show, Big Dog, in the hospital right now. He's had um, undisclosed illness, basically. Yeah dehydration from a previous uh, surgery. I know he's been sick on and off, so we do wish Dr. Jerry Kill the best if he's wishing. If he's uh, listening, Dr. Kill, get ready. We're hoping that you're out on the sidelines for uh, this Saturday's game. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, wish him the best, Coach. Yep. Yep. Northwestern taking on Rice at Rice. Uh, two schools that are very similar to each other. The game is at Rice. The only thing I don't like about this game, I think it's actually a pretty good matchup. No television, Big Dog, for the Cat fans at home like myself. Yeah, that's uh, Northwestern doesn't get a lot of respect in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. So it, it's too bad, and this is a game they could win. So it's too bad they're not, it's not going to be on television. Yeah, and it's a competitive matchup against a good football school, and I think you can make a lot of similarities academically in the challenges that both schools have. Rice and Northwestern, different areas of the country, but both similar, kind of in the way they're trying to build their football programs. Yes, yes, and they actually Rice chose the. The nickname Owls way back 100 years ago because Owls are supposedly considered wise and like mm-hmm. one of the smarter animals. So mm-hmm. That's actually why they went with Owls. Wow. How about that? Some solid history. A little information there. you have any inside scoop on the mascot for the Rice Owl? An owl, Coach. <laughs> that's, that's some good inside scoop. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Miami at Pittsburgh, that might be a, one of the better games of the weekend. Florida, Tennessee, that's probably not. And then, of course, you got Notre Dame trying to rebound from a crusher last week at Michigan, and they uh, are at Notre Dame against Michigan, and they got to travel to East Lansing and play Michigan State. That could be a pretty interesting battle, Big Duck. 
Yeah, Michigan State, they had that, that sandwich game against Florida Atlantic, who, by the way, are the Owls. Okay. And uh, it, it, it's like, uh, that was just awful tough. Last week they picked them. I'm like, you know, they're playing Notre Dame the week after. That's why I didn't like that pick for you. So that's uh, Michigan State's going to be an awful tough out for for Notre Dame. Notre Dame could easily be looking at one and two, and I, I don't, I don't know why, but Michigan State has owned Notre Dame over the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So. All right. You know, the more I think about it, too, and Brian Kelly has addressed this, and I think he admitted without directly saying it, I think he admitted uh, he, he made a mistake, but a lot of teams do. And I remember I made this comment on Monday, and without patting myself on the back too much, Big Doe, the more I think about it, it's a brilliant comment by me. It doesn't happen very often. I don't know if we have it carted up on the archives, Dave, under coaches' brilliant comments. Do we have any of those? No, David is saying no. Thank you very much. But uh, the theory, Big Dog, with backup quarterbacks, I think if you approach it as a head coach, you say you assume, assume that somewhere along the way your starting quarterback is going to get knocked out. Can we win this game with our backup quarterback? If you go under that assumption and you have your team prepared enough to win with your number two guy and even a little bit the number three guy, then if your starter lasts the whole game, it's that much more of a bonus. I think that's a great way for coaches to approach it both psychologically and even beyond psychologically. In reality, give those guys more snaps. Have your backup ready to go and assume the starter won't be there and you still got to find a way to win. If, there, if there's anybody that you know that, it's Brian Kelly. Everywhere he goes, quarterbacks get knocked out, yep. especially running that silly spread offense. You know, your quarterback is bound to get injured in that in that quarterback-driven offense. So well, you remember it, it happened last year with Galuli, and mm-hmm. the the backup had to come in, and the backup played five or six games and played him phenomenally. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, played better than Galuli did. Well, it wasn't Galuli. I think it was Tony Pike. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I mean, Galuli might have been. Was he the backup? He was the backup. Yeah, but he yeah he came in and they almost couldn't get him out. So he's got some history, but uh, I think. Clearly, you watch those two freshman quarterbacks play, and uh, you know when you say they weren't prepared, they were prepared, but they weren't prepared to beat the University of Michigan in a big game. So absolutely not. Coach. Yeah. So get your back. And the Detroit Lions at the so NFL. They weren't the ones trying to tackle Bernard Robinson either. Well, you so. got a point there. Got a point there. You know, I couldn't see the interview because it was going on during our show, but they had the Miss University of Michigan track coach being interviewed on ESPN uh, while our show's going on, Big Dog. And apparently Denard Robertson is either part of that track team or they're talking to the track coach about recruiting him because he runs, what, about a 4-3-40? Easily, coach. If, Easily? How does I anybody? Mean, he, looks, he runs exactly the way a sprinter runs. Long strides, quick yep. strides. It, 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 it's beautiful watching shoelace run. I wonder in track and field, is it allowed? Could you actually put a football in your hand? And race with the football if it makes you go faster. A guy like Denar Robinson might I feel more comfortable. It makes you go faster, but no, you cannot. Ugh. It's too bad. You can run with a baby, though. <laughs> or a baton in the case of a relay race. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any other college football games, Big Doe, that we haven't uh, discussed? Of course, tomorrow, Football Friday, we'll break it down or simply break down. How about Iowa? Taking on Arizona, the only game really involving two teams in the top 25. I think Arizona barely. Barely squeezing in there, but the Hawkeyes look awfully good. Yeah, and uh, they're going down to Arizona, and they're playing at night down there. So, you know, it's a little bit different. First night game of the year, got to deal with the heat, got to deal with the travel. 
we'll see what Iowa's made of uh, with that particular game. So mm-hmm. uh, Kirk Ferentz usually, they, Iowa usually stumbles early, and then they go on that late run. They're you know really well coached team. I like to see them go into conference play undefeated and with a lot of momentum, so mm-hmm. they can really get the respect that they deserve. And you know, for a for a Big Ten fan, an important game because there's only so many like you know crossover intersectional games against ranked teams. And, and as a Big Ten fan, you really pull for Iowa to win that. Mm-hmm. So. Me thinks you will uh, get your wish. I think oh, Iowa will I'm come in. I'm worried about that game, Coach. I'm really worried about okay. it. Okay. Uh, you know, and you're right. Tra- having to travel to Arizona, playing in the heat, playing at night, throws off your timing and stuff, and Iowa has had a history. But, again, like I told you with Iowa State last year, I think this Hawkeye team a little bit different. I do know this. Uh, I've never seen an offensive line, maybe even at the professional level, where five guys are that big and that athletic and they move their feet well. It's dancing with the stars across that front line for Iowa. Well, yeah, well, I just- I don't even think they're the best offensive line in the Big Ten right now. Wisconsin's offensive yep. line is phenomenal. But I do think Iowa either has the best or second worst defense in the Big Ten. That is unquestioned after the first two games. So uh, say that again. Denver, Ohio State. You so. said Iowa has the first or second worst defense? Best defense best. Okay. In, in the Big Ten. It's either, the, it's either them or Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So far, so. Got Adam Robinson running the ball, Ricky Stanzi at quarterback. I'm not sure who their receivers are this year, but the Hawkeye team is locked and loaded, and they got a great coach, Kirk Ferentz, who's passed up a number of times, number of times, offers to go to the professional level, and he has stayed at Iowa. I was talking to, I know we talked college bars yesterday, and I want to get back to that and finish that discussion. To get our phone lines open, folks, you want to talk some NFL or college football with the big dog and the coach, we are more than, uh, Ready and willing to take your phone calls. Phone lines open if you want to check in. 888-463-6748. Forget who it was, but talking to someone yesterday, Big Dog, uh, who had been to an Iowa game recently. And they said the tailgating at the University of Iowa football game, one of the best that they've ever been to. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I've been to Iowa football games. I thought it was good. So that's... Uh... I don't know. I I do tell you this: the night before in Iowa City, my goodness, be careful. You got to have uh, like your head on a swivel up and down because there are so many drunk people. They'll just lay in the street in Iowa City. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the Iowa City Bureau of Tourism is uh, thrilled to have you make those comments. Well, it all depends. I mean, you know, some people like to uh-huh. you know get face down drunk. Well. Not that so gutter drunk, as we call it. No, nobody wants to get gutter drunk. Come on, stop yourself. Um, maybe you know we talked about going to a Kansas City Chiefs game. I got to get your Mister Geography here. Tell me how long could we pull off in Iowa tailgate? Maybe we'll go Friday night, you and me and Doug. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to get face down drunk, but we'll uh, check out the you know Iowa City the night before a big game. Go to the game on Saturday. Is Kansas City in decent driving distance where we could pull a chief game on, uh, pull off a chief game on a Sunday as well? Well, Iowa City is in the center of Iowa. Okay. Iowa is the borders the northern part of Missouri. Okay. Kansas City happens to be in central Missouri, so kind okay. of should be in a perfect straight line. Okay. I would be willing to bet it's no more <clears throat> than a five-hour drive, and I'm actually betting less from Iowa City to Kansas City. It's not bad. And it's, you know, it's funny. Iowa City in Iowa, Kansas City in Missouri. Unless you go to the Kansas City, which is in Kansas. And by the <laughs> way, that isn't very metropolitan. No. 
It, no. It's much more like the Carson City, which is in Nevada. Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up and also confusing the hell out of me. But uh, bottom line is that that would be a pretty good sports weekend, would it not? Yeah, especially That's if you got bad. to see like uh, you, you got to see like uh, the Ohio State game with that I was playing yeah. or the Minnesota game that I was uh-huh. playing. Uh, and with, with the Kansas City Chiefs, I guess it doesn't. If it was the Raider game, oh my goodness! That's that. Oh my that, goodness. that could be a solid road trip weekend. How hard a tickets? Uh, how hard would it be to purchase an Iowa Hawkeye slash Kansas City Chief ticket? There, there's always a price coach, and if you're willing to sit in the student section, probably like a hundred bucks. And you just do it tonight. But we get there the Friday night, uh-huh. get some co-ed real drunk. <laughs> Next, you know, we got our tickets. Uh, Could be pretty cheap. Now, getting the, the Chiefs tickets might be a little bit more difficult. Okay. All just right. because we won't be there the night before. Or maybe we could be. We, we're going to need to be. All right. We'll figure out a way. We'll put that in our uh, top ten list of sports things we got to do as well. Big Dog and the Coach, we talked some college football, NFL football over the weekend. Again, football Friday tomorrow, Big Dog. But there's some uh, very interesting week two NFL football games. The Patriot, I think, taking on the Jet. And the game I'm interested in watching is seeing how the Cincinnati Bengals respond from their debacle in game one. They have to respond at home against the Baltimore Ravens. I think that one's going to be uh, interesting to watch. Uh, yeah, definitely will be interesting. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm just getting so sick of Owens and, and Ocho Cinco just having excuses for stuff. Both of them leave before halftime. Yep. And all of a sudden the offense gets thrown back on the field and they're like, well, why are you questioning us? Because you're a football player and your offense is on the field and you are nowhere to be fine. Oh, by the way, it was a Hail Mary pass, and that's when you you playmakers are supposed to be out there. Why can't they just be like this? Why couldn't they just say, you know what, we left way too early and we made a mistake? No, mm-hmm. instead it's, oh, why are you attacking us? Why, why are you asking these questions? You're racist. When they said you were racist, it's, I, I'm done with them now. I'm done. I'm not going to protect them. <laughs> I've protected those guys. For years, and then when I heard them bring their color of their skin, and no, you're an idiot. You left the frickin' field, okay? Just say we made a mistake. Don't start blaming race as the issue why we asked the question. Well said. Well said. That's exactly right. I hope Chad Ochocinco or any member of the Ochocinco family is listening. They can relay that to him because that's exactly the message he should have gotten. Well said, Big Dog. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with them. Yeah. So. All right, but you're not done with the other NFL game. How about Pittsburgh at Tennessee? Tennessee, all of a sudden, after week one, becoming kind of the soup du jour of the AFC uh, Super Bowl picks. Everybody like in Tennessee. And, of course, Pittsburgh trying to fight their way until Ben Roethlisberger comes back. They won their first game as well. I have one. Dennis Dixon playing quarterback for yeah. the Steelers. Kid out of Oregon. Uh, yeah, everybody loves Dennis Dixon. He's a playmaker. He's an athlete. I have one word for all the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers. Tight end. Duck. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was an Oregon Duck. Oh my goodness! Did you, he drops back and the ball just doesn't go where he wants it to go. He, if Heinz Ward needs a, his wife better take out some health insurance on him. I mean life insurance. He's going to get killed with that guy at quarterback coach. So the everybody ten- talks about oh he's a playmaker. He protects the football. Well, no, he, he doesn't protect his receivers. Oh my goodness! I watched some of that game last week and the, the, what the way he was throwing the ball into coverage. A Steeler receiver is going to have a concussion, and I'm not trying to be funny at this point, a concussion, broken ribs, or some serious injury if that guy continues to play quarterback coach. Sounds like the Tennessee Titan defensive backfield might have a good day come this Sunday. Licking their chops, Licking their chops, indeed. Speaking of injuries, by the way, I meant to bring this up yesterday. 
And it's almost a tradition, Big Dog, after the first week of the NFL season. We've been doing our show together now for a number of years, and it almost always comes up as a source of discussion, and that is the injuries in the NFL, particularly after week one. We saw Ryan Grant go down. We saw a defensive tackle. uh, Help me out. Chris Jenkins. Yeah, thank you. Chris Jenkins. The best player of the weekend that got hurt. Matt Stafford, the quarterback. A number of injuries. Well, first of all, let me ask you, why so many after week one? Okay, one thing is I'm going to remind you is that watch week two, week three, week four. Week, there's going to be a bunch of season-ending injuries every week. Okay, we got we got five or six season-ending injuries this week. It's the same thing's going to happen next week too. So everybody, it's just you forget when that football is a war of attrition. Everybody sees their 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 uh, their lineup at the beginning of the year. Well, I, I hate to tell you, by the end of the year. No, none of those players. I mean, maybe out of 22 players that you have starting, four of them will play the entire season without missing a game. Mm-hmm. So people are going to end legitimately once every four, once a month, you lose a player for the whole entire season. That's how that's how devastating the injuries are in football. That's how hard the game is. It's no shock to me that six players, five or six players, suffered season-ending injuries in week one. Coach, it's, remember AM year ago for the Chicago Bears, game one, first quarter. Brian Urlacher, star middle linebacker, out for the season. It wasn't much longer after that. Pisatino Isamoa was gone as well. Yeah, it technically, that was on the second play of the year. He should have just sat out the rest of the season. He continued to try to play the next okay. week, and he played one play. I mean, he played like five plays after that. So you're right, Coach. Within the first half of the first game of the season for the Bears, they lost their strong side and their Mike Backer last year. So, mm-hmm. well, and concussions continue to be a, a point of contention, uh, right down to high school football, college football. It's the soup du jour, if you will, in NFL injuries right now. We don't mean to sound trite about that because it's very, very serious. And quite frankly, Big Dog probably something that hasn't nearly, nearly been addressed as well as it should have been. Hunter Hillemeyer, the Chicago Bear linebacker, out for the season, precautionary because of the concussion that. that the concussion thing and head injuries, I think, uh, could be a developing story slash, can I use the word problem for the National Football League? It's, if they're being diagnosed, you know, it'll be a problem now, unlike a problem for the players later when they weren't being diagnosed. Coach, I got a couple concussions playing football. Mm-hmm. And I know it wasn't at the NFL level. I just continued to play. I can't even imagine back in the 70s or 80s, you know, oh, I'm, uh, you got your bell rung. Uh, are you okay? Sit out a player. Are you okay now? Okay, you know, go, go back out there. How often did that happen, Coach? Mm-hmm. 100% of the time? Yep. 100% of the time it happened. Yep. I, I remember people being diagnosed for concussions. Like, I don't I don't ever remember a bear ever being diagnosed for a, a concussion until Myrtle Hodge came around. And I don't, and considering back then you were not only, not only were you allowed to, like, throw elbows into people's heads, Helmet-to-helmet contact was not only allowed, it was encouraged by your team. And I might add that the helmets back then, not nearly the technology to protect on yeah, contact. just as hard, and just as hard as yes. they are now, so so when you're using it as the weapon. So I, I would have to say there must have been a lot more concussions mm-hmm. that weren't diagnosed back in the day. I can't even imagine how many more. Are so. you worried from a personal standpoint? And you can't blame you, uh, last week's Beat the Schmoes picks on an early concussion. We won't go that far. But are you worried uh, in all semi-seriousness 
down the road, age 40, 45, 50, that you might have some repercussions from the concussion? Uh, I, I doubt it. I mean, I, I'm really not that worried about it, but I, I will say the worst concussion I ever got was uh, the, and I knew because I have had a concussion before I got diagnosed, and basically they just said rest, stay at a bright light, try to eat, even if you're puking, try to eat, not while you're puking, you know, but <laughs> like, uh, so yeah. like I got a nasty, I got in a car accident, and I got a like I got to tell you something, Coach. For like four or five days, I felt like hell. I can't even explain how bad I felt. It was, it was worse than the worst flu I ever had. It was mm-hmm. the worst I've ever. I mean, I felt worse then than after my dad died. I don't know, no disrespect to my dad. I'm sure he understands what I'm saying. Like the whole overall, like I, I, I like I thought my life was over with. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. It was like this strange, weird depression sunk over me. I, I didn't want to live. I wanted to die. Okay, I'm not going to lie. So if I ever feel like that again, I, I definitely, I can never have another concussion because I don't want to ever, 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 ever feel like that again, Coach. Uh-huh. So. Right, well, injuries are injuries when it affects the brain. Uh, and there is an article, I can't go into it right now, Matt Bowen, ex-NFL player, wrote an article in today's Tribune Glenbard about West that. player. He played at Glenbard West against okay. me. All right. Oh, good. Catch your Chicago Tribune today. Wrote a uh, feature article on the concussion. Very, very powerful stuff. And it involves him directly as well. Well, you know, considering that we banged heads together, he probably mm-hmm. has something against me, Coach. All right. Well, your head, looking from the picture, your head's a lot larger than his head. So I'm going to guess <laughs> his concussion a lot worse than yours. He played strong safety. I played tight end. And we ran the option, which means that whenever we ran the option, mm-hmm. I was hitting Matt Bowen. I didn't play weak outside linebacker. I think that's just what my coach called me. <laughs> a week outside linebacker. All right. Uh, big dog, we got to wrap it up. Tomorrow's a football Friday. MFM will make our football predictions. Very, very exciting. Week number three of Beat the Schmoes. Make sure you join us. And again, big dog, for all of our female fans out there, if they want to track you down today, he's young, he's single, and he is eligible. Well, two out of three is not bad. Uh, where might the females find you this evening? I will be in Oak Park. Wow. And I'll be filming an episode of Black and Blue City, which we need to have a little bit more pub up on the show. And everybody, don't forget tomorrow, Naperville Central ranked opponent versus Wheaton Warrenville South's number one team in the state at Naperville Central in the greatest conference. And I didn't play in this one, so you know that I must be talking true now. That is the DuPage Valley Conference. We will look for you out there. What will you be wearing? I'll be wearing a (laughs) MyMVPs.com t-shirt. And I'll have a camera in front of me and a microphone in my hand, Coach. Boxers or briefs? Uh, I go commando, Coach. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock, folks. Football Friday. Thank you so much for listening. David Olson, our producer. Great job. See you tomorrow at 10.